Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. Coming up on today's Season 9 premiere, we explore the many challenges that physicians face in adequately preparing for a sound financial future, a future that many young physicians often have a hard time wrapping their minds around and put off thinking about until it may be too late. You know, I talked to some of my co-residents, and in preparation for this interview, I asked them, what are some of the things that you guys want to know? And it was kind of frustrating because no one would come to me. And then finally I was like, you know, do you guys don't have any questions about anything? And they're like, Shami, you don't understand. We don't even know where to start. More insight into the unique financial concerns that today's physicians face, as well as the eye-catching results of a recent AMA Insurance Agency nationwide physician survey on financial preparedness, right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome back to Radio Rounds, everyone, as we return to the airways to kick off our ninth season. I'm your host, John Corker, and we couldn't be more excited to be back with you after an all-too-short summer off. The upcoming season promises to be our most interesting yet, as we are planning interviews with an opera singer who has had a double lung transplant. We'll hear thoughts on the public health impact of the crisis in Syria from the Council on Foreign Relations Senior Fellow for Global Health, and we're even planning a live surprise for you later in the season to highlight this fall's major health care law rollouts and what they will mean for physicians, patients, and our nation. But this week, we kick things off by looking at the unique challenges that face today's physicians and effectively planning for their financial futures. The AMA Insurance Agency recently conducted a nationwide survey exploring the adequacy of physicians' financial preparedness, both from the perspective of experienced financial planners and physicians themselves. Later, I'll sit down with AMA Insurance President Chris Burke to discuss the specific results of the survey, as well as his thoughts on what medical students, residents, and young physicians can do to start early and plan effectively to ensure a healthy financial outlook throughout their career and into retirement. But first, here's a clip from a recent conversation that I had with Radio Round's co-founder and current emergency medicine intern at Emory University Hospital, Shami Das. Shami highlights for us the struggles that young physicians face in even beginning to plan for a financial future that still seems merely theoretical during the most hectic time of their life. Shami, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rounds today. John, it's great to be back on the air. It's great to have you. Can you start off today by just telling us a little bit about, from the perspective of a new physician, a recent medical school graduate, what are your main financial concerns moving forward with your career? Going on to residency is an interesting transition for medical school where, you know, for the most part, most people are collecting on student loan payments, or sorry, student loan disbursements, rather, to pay their bills, including rent and all that sort of stuff. But for a lot of people, this is their first job, including including yours truly. And so it's interesting because as you transition to professional life, there are a lot of other concerns that come into play than the simple pay your bills and go to class and study all your, all the time. For example, for many times, this is the first time you will buy a home. That is a major life event that requires a lot of thought and consideration and planning. They don't teach you how to buy a home in medical school. And if you've been, you know, if your head has been in the books for the last four to five years, studying in the, in the wards, treating patients, 
you really haven't learned much about the house buying market, how interest rates work, how mortgages work. You know, some things that you know things that many other people experience earlier in their lives. And so, as medical students, and you know, as we go to become physicians, we haven't had a lot of preparation for this. And I think a good financial advisor is probably someone to consult when you're going through these decisions because loans come in many different flavors. You need to figure out what type of situation is best for you. And then, John, as you know, the resident's income isn't great, and for the number of hours we work, it's like minimum wage. So you also have to think about budgeting, and that's that. That hopefully is something that medical students have done throughout their four years in medical school. Um, but now you have other things to consider in to, in, in addition to your mortgage, which is uh, insurance, and that's something that as a student you really it's an afterthought. Our school, for example, at Wright State, had paid for our disability insurance. And I think we may have had a little bit of life insurance as well, but for the most part, we don't even think of it as students. And that going on to professional life is a major concern. Uh, and I think. Having done the research, and, and that's the biggest thing, is it's it's pretty daunting if you've never thought about it before, and you don't even know where to start. You know, I talked to some of my co-residents, and in preparation for this interview, I asked them, what are some of the things that you guys want to know? And it was kind of frustrating because no one would come to me, and then finally I was like, you know, do you guys don't have any questions about anything? And they're like, Shami, you don't understand. We don't even know where to start. And I think that pretty much sums up the situation for many graduating medical students as they go into residency. You mentioned these decisions that young physicians have to make. Uh, you even mentioned uh, the tight budget uh, that they have to live on and, and, and buying a house, getting a mortgage. But so many medical graduates these days have uh, what I like to call another mortgage, if you will, in their medical student debt. <laughs> How are you managing to balance on a tight budget essentially two mortgage payments with buying a new home and having to pay off that mountain of debt? You know, student loans are really the elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about them in medical school, and they hang over your head in residency as you start to make income and now are expected to make exorbitant payments to pay them off. But what people don't always think about is that you have a choice. You can figure out the best way to pay them off, and there are various programs out there. Uh, and, John, as you, as you probably know or are aware, the federal government has uh, opened up a couple programs in, their, in the past few years where you can reduce your total debt burden altogether. One of those is the Public Service Student Loan Forgiveness Program, where if you work for a 501c3 as a resident, many of us are, uh, and then continue to work in academics or for a nonprofit hospital, then after 10 years, the remainder of your government student loans are forgiven. And I think most people don't think about that. And that's something that you should definitely take advantage of, especially if you're dedicating your time to taking care of those who are in need and in these underserved areas. That's the other thing I would I would encourage my co-residents and those people going into residency to think hard about is how they want to pay those loans off and then do it in a way that works for them at this point where you're not making a lot of money. But let's step back a little bit. You mentioned the ideas of life and disability insurance, two things that I'm quite certain medical students don't think of often. Are those two things that your residency program provides for you or that really many residency programs across the country provide, you know, having gone through the interview process and match process at this point? Or is that something students are going to have to seek on their own? Well, so for many people, it is provided. But and I'll tell you, in the interview process and in selecting a program, it's an afterthought. You don't really think about these types of benefits. And I think that to some extent that's fine because you really should go to the place that you fit in and the place that you're going to get great training. That really is more important, some of these things, because you can always buy additional coverage. And I think that's kind of where this discussion is leading is that 
they do provide some basic form of coverage. And I think you have to do your research in terms of what that coverage exactly is. And from what I've learned, it uh, for many instances, it doesn't include what they call occupation definitions, where if you were to get injured, and I'm talking about disability insurance here, uh, if you were to get injured, if you couldn't work in that specialty, like for me, it would be emergency medicine, then I would be able to collect disability uh, for that, even though I might be able to do something like radiology or uh, psychiatry, for example. And so I think that's something that's important that most programs don't offer. The other thing is that once you graduate, your coverage is terminated from the program. And so uh, you no longer get that benefit if you were to get disabled. Whereas if you were to buy your own plan, which uh, myself and uh, some of my co-residents have done, then we'll be able to take that into our uh, attending practice and be able to add on to that as our needs grow. And I know this is a really, really like high-level discussion, but I think the biggest thing to take home is that you, you've invested so much of your time to become a physician that if you cannot do what, you, especially when you're training to do something specific like emergency medicine or radiology or any of the specialties, if you cannot do that, then you want to have something to fall back on. And that's security because ultimately what we offer is something very specialized and it's in our know-how. It's in our ability to perform that task. And Shami, looking back, I know you've gotten your MBA and that's kind of a unique step that you took during your your undergraduate medical years to improve your knowledge of these sorts of financial issues. But if you were to do it all over again, what are some steps you wish you would have taken that you haven't taken to this point in medical school to prepare yourself financially for the future? From the medical student perspective, I think right now you don't really have to do anything to worry about that. Uh, It's something that you need to start planning for. Ask around and figure out who knows the answers to those questions so that when you're in that situation, you can always go and talk to them. Shami, as always, we appreciate your sage advice here on Radio Rounds. Thanks so much for joining us. John, I try. Take care. That was Shami Das, Radio Rounds co-founder and current emergency medicine intern at the Emory University Hospital. Next up, I had a chance to sit down with AMA Insurance President Chris Burke. And Chris goes into detail about the surprising results of his recent nationwide survey about physicians and their preparedness, or lack thereof, for a sound financial future. We're here with Chris Burke, president of AMA Insurance, a wholly owned subsidiary of the American Medical Association. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rounds today. Pleased to be here, John. Thanks for inviting me. Chris, why don't we start off with some of the more interesting results in your opinion of the survey, specifically as it regards young physicians. Sure. We had an awful lot of very interesting results from the survey. And in terms of young physicians, let me give you a few things to set the stage for our discussion tonight. Interestingly enough, 53% of the physicians who were in the young cohort, and we're talking about physicians who were age 20 to 30, reported that they felt they were behind in their financial planning and retirement preparedness. Now, what was interesting is that really that number should have been much higher. When we got under the hood and looked at the actual amount of retirement savings that they had socked away, according to the figures that they reported, it was well below what was necessary to be considered on track for an appropriate retirement savings. So it really validated another point that we saw later on in the survey, which was 72% of America's younger physicians noted that they either were uh, not terribly comfortable or not terribly knowledgeable or not knowledgeable at all about financial planning matters, which 
when we got to see the results of the uh, the survey, you know, honestly, the the 53% should have been more like 75% were not prepared. Now, the other thing that was a little disturbing too, another interesting point was that more than half of them also noted that they would be ill-prepared in the event of an income disruption caused by a serious illness or a serious accident or even death. And as we well know, young physicians can hardly afford any sort of income disruption given how long it is before they start to begin to save. It's interesting that you mentioned this idea of disability insurance, Chris, because physicians are often very technically trained and their ability to earn a living is often indelibly tied to their ability to, to function physically. Do physicians have somewhat of a special need for this type of disability insurance? And can you explain to us a little bit more about what that entails? Yeah, certainly. Physicians in particular, since medical training is so long and physicians get such a late start in saving for retirement, any disruption in their income is particularly financially devastating. And here's another little quick tidbit. When you talk about the educational loans, whether they're federal or private loans, upon death, most of them actually have provisions in them that they'll forgive the loan if the primary borrower passes away. But that is not the case in the event of disability. If you become disabled, those loans are all still still due. So Uh, Disability income, just quickly, is a type of insurance that replaces monthly income in the event that you're disabled via an illness or an accident, and it will replace your income during that period of of disability. And the odds of becoming disabled are much greater than passing away. So for physicians, I absolutely consider disability income a core type of insurance that they all should own. own. Um, The type of coverage that they should get, uh, a little tidbit here, too, is that they need to make sure that it's own occupation or own specialty to make sure that they're covered as physicians uh, as a proper term of art in the policy. And they should also have the amount of insurance be just about as, as much as they can get, but it's, it's the net income that they bring home every month. So it's roughly two-thirds of their gross income is the type of insurance that they should get in terms of the quantity of it. The other thing that's sort of interesting, some policies out there actually for physicians have a provision in them that they'll pay up to $200,000 worth of credit towards paying off their loans, their educational loans, in the event they become totally and permanently disabled before age 40 or 45. So that's a good policy to look for if you're a young physician as well. Well, and that's an interesting point because the the rising student debt burden on medical graduates across the country is uh, a cause for great concern and indirectly contributing to physician shortages and patient access crises across the country. I think that's one big question that young medical graduates have upon beginning residency in their practice. Uh, which is more important, paying off those student loans as quickly as possible, loans that can sometimes be upwards of $250,000, $300,000 at, at an interest rate that's quite frankly three times the national average for a mortgage, or beginning immediately to contribute to things like savings and children's college funds and life and disability insurance that we were just talking about? Well, no, no doubt, John. The, the amount of student debt that a young physician has at riding at interest is certainly something that they're going to want to pay down as quick, quickly as they can. As far as I can tell, and, and you know better than I would, I think the, the schedule of repayment still is that the goal would be to try to pay that down in 10 years after beginning 
residency, really trying to knock that out as, as quickly as you can. So that's a primary concern. But I will tell you that what I like to coach young physicians on, too, is to play a little bit of defense first as well. So there's some basic needs for insurance, whether it's, you know, you're going to have auto insurance, you're going to have homeowners or renters, but you have to make sure that you've got your health insurance in place. You really do need to make sure that you've got disability in place so that in the event you have a dis- income disruption, you're not put back even further. Uh, and, you know, we haven't talked about life insurance. Life insurance for young physicians, especially if they're not married and don't have any kids, you know, it's a minimal amount that you should have really to cover final expenses or any loans that may be co-signed with that are non-educational loans. So you don't burden your family unnecessarily with expenses as you, if you should pass away. But um, certainly you're going to want to have some core insurance in place there, but don't spend an arm and leg to get that done. Get the debt paid down. And in terms of savings, I, you know, I really do coach young physicians first starting out to try your best to carve off a certain amount each month so that you can build a safety net of at least you know, six months worth of living expenses. So you've got an emergency account set up in the event something happens. And it could be a job change, could be anything, even your waiting period for disability income. Even if you have that insurance, oftentimes there's a 90 day to maybe even a six month waiting period to try to get those premiums down. And you mentioned that over the years, uh, average female salaries are beginning to approximate male salaries. Not quite there yet, but, but heading in the right direction. You know, medicine is a is a high reward profession. Physicians are paid well, but with that high reward comes a significant amount of risk. Uh, and so, what can medical students, residents, and young physicians do at the beginning of practice when they do start reaping that reward to minimize the risk that they encounter uh, to this newfound wealth? My best advice is that they begin working with a trusted financial advisor. I can't emphasize this enough, and the data bears this out. As physicians in their careers begin to mature, the comfort level with financial planning, the comfort level with uh, general financial basics becomes higher. But a lot of it is because they're working with financial advisors. The earlier that you can begin working with a trusted advisor, the better. Now, the trick is who to trust. That's, that's the real issue. And when I gave a similar presentation such as this at the House of Delegates meeting for the American Medical Association, that was one of the big questions I had. And it can be tough. Uh, you know, the, uh, the value of checking a planner's licensing, checking their references, checking their credentials to see if there's been any complaints with the regulatory agencies, that's really important to do. But it's really time-consuming, and for physicians, it's, you know, it can be a pretty daunting task to get that done. So to the extent that they have friends who are physicians that have trusted advisors that they've, they've uh, done really well for them, or if they're working at a practice or a hospital that may have a recommended portfolio of financial planners that works for physicians at the hospital, or even us, AMA Insurance, Uh, One of the things we recognized early on was the need for this. We actually have vetted independent agents around the country that we've checked their licenses. We've run their information through the regulatory agencies for complaints. We've actually called references that they've given us to vet these independent producers and these independent financial advisors to be uh, people that we would feel comfortable referring any physician to, especially young physicians. So, uh, you know, my advice is 
get with somebody, start to work with them as soon as you can. Uh, I know that these folks charge fees. My my feel for it is the fees are, are pretty reasonable compared to waking up at age 55 and finding out that you're horribly behind in your tra- in your financial planning. So, you know, consider it an opportunity cost. But, you, you know, the fees aren't horrible. On that note, is it ever too early to begin that important conversation with a trusted financial advisor? When is the best time to get that conversation started? There, I mean, let's face it. Medical students aren't making a ton of money, and really the, the whole exercise there is to try to control the cost side of the equation so that you can enter, enter residency with as little non-educational debt as you possibly can. That's the, the game there. But uh, that doesn't really excuse the fact that I think a lot of medical students could be out educating themselves on the financial basics and budgeting and and what some of these financial instruments are all about, even though they may not own them. And there's some really good resources for that out there. The American Medical Association has a uh, medical student and resident section on their website. The medical student one is really good. There are some publications in there that the AMA has uh, created. We actually contributed several chapters to one, which is called the Introduction to the Practice of Medicine, which is pretty educational in terms of the financial basics of budgeting and and planning some financial things out too. There's also a nice link over to the AAMC, which is the American Association of Medical Colleges. Uh, the AMA links right over to it. I've been out to the AAMC site, and it is really good. So you mentioned a lot of resources available for students and residents, online, educational resources, getting in touch with a financial advisor. But what about that physician that's four, five, six years into practice that hasn't gotten started yet? What are some resources for those physicians? But the whole the whole game here is to try to get somebody that you trust. And it's awfully difficult for physicians to try to do this on their own. The, the workloads are huge. Um, I, you know, God bless you. I don't know how you keep up on the day-to-day changing science of medicine and the business of medicine, it's really a tacit admission that, that this is this is difficult from a personal perspective to keep your financial planning up to speed. But as the evidence points to in the survey that we've just done, it's really something that physicians have to carve the time out and, uh, you know, take some time to do some real planning and take some action. Certainly a lot to think about for all those young physicians and physicians in training out there. For all of you listeners, to check out the survey and its results on your own, you can visit amainsure.com and flip through the entirety of the survey uh, and all of the very interesting findings. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rounds today. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. That was Chris Burke, president of AMA Insurance, a wholly owned subsidiary of the American Medical Association. As I mentioned before, to see the entire survey and its results for yourself, please visit their website at www.amainsure.com. In addition, for more information on the resources that Chris mentioned, please visit the AMA's website at www.ama-assn.org and search Succeeding from Medical School to Practice. In addition, even more resources can be found from the AAMC's first website, at www.aamc.org backslash services backslash first. Finally, I wanted to follow up on what I found to be the most interesting result of AMA Insurance's survey, that a majority of female physicians felt well behind their male counterparts in preparing for their financial futures. 
Dr. Ann Wytalik, a practicing pediatrician from Indianapolis, Indiana, and a married mother of eight, with twins on the way, was kind enough to share her thoughts on whether or not this perception actually matches reality, and why this may be. Dr. Wytalik, one really interesting result that we noticed from the AMA Insurance Agency's recent survey regarding physician financial preparedness was that many female physicians, in fact, by percentage, most female physicians feel, quote, well behind, end quote, their male counterparts in planning financially for their futures. So I'm interested, what do you think about this? Why do you think this is? Is it just a perception? Is it reality? Maybe somewhere in between? I think it's probably true in that many women physicians would be married, not all, but many. And of those being married, the ones that uh, have finished residency, uh, you know, getting older, starting families, beginning a career, learning the career, this puts them well into their mid-30s, and they are in a big juggling act at that time. And so they have only started making paychecks for a few years, and the idea of looking towards the end, for example, towards retirement, is far off on the radar. And I I think in general, women seem to feel that they juggle more, especially when their children are young or when they're having pregnancies or doing family planning things. So I think that would explain some of it. You know, on the other hand, female physicians who are unmarried would be on more uh, sure financial footing because one income, one person has a little more sure financial footing. And and in that case, they, I would think that they would be planning more towards uh, saving and uh, retirement. However, they may also feel that they're doing so well uh, that they may not feel sort of the pressure of, of savings. But these days, there are many women physicians who are the sole breadwinner of the family. There are many women that I know who have children uh, who are women physicians and the husbands choose to stay home. And so the woman ends up being the sole breadwinner, which works well for the family, but she may not be in that perspective of, okay, now I also need to be thinking about financial planning and getting a financial planner and meeting with bankers and things. She's thinking, oh, when I'm finished with work, I need to go be home with my family. There is this new crop of probably more and more uh, women physicians who are the breadwinner for the entire family unit. You know, and, the, and these things happen in life where there are just uh, unforeseen circumstances that require more time. Uh, they may be an ailing parent, a uh, sick child, a difficult pregnancy, um, health problems. And, you know, of, of the people that I know in medicine, Uh, And the people I know in general, these things do happen to a a large percentage of people. Um, Almost maybe everyone at some point in their life will have to have an unexpected, you know, leave from work or needing to cut down from five days a week to four or from four to three for periods of time. And so I think when you're planning your financial future, it's really important to not count on full-time salary for 40 years or, you know, 40 straight years of uninterrupted, you know, full-time growing salary uh, because the future is so uncertain. So that's why kind of getting the professionals involved and making sure you have that little cushion there um, is, you know, it's really important because you just, you really can't count on 
uh, things going as planned. Is there anything that you wish you would have known or any steps that you wish you would have taken earlier in order to better prepare financially for your future? I don't have many regrets, but I will say when I was in medical school, uh, we didn't talk much about money among um, you know my friends in medical school. However, I did notice how many uh, had loans. People would you know mention they might mention how much they were in debt, and it was almost a little bit of a joke because you know it's hard to deal with being you know deeply in debt because what do you you know how do you think about $50,000 or $70,000? How do you even think of those numbers when you're 24? But I would say I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for people now as the tuitions are, you know, so much greater than they used to be even 10 years ago. So I think deciding how far to go into debt is kind of the biggest the biggest thing that is is very hard to um, get your mind wrapped around when you're young, because if you're taking a uh, five thousand dollar loan, then what's what's a ten thousand dollar loan? Like there's no difference in your mind, but yet you know with interest and with with other things that come up in life, every dollar counts. And so, if there's one kind of advice piece that I would like to sort of shoot out there to the younger set, it would be that that everything matters. And if you can be more frugal, you know, you should. If you can share a room, uh, if you can not have your own apartment and, you know, live more cheaply and then therefore get more loans, it would be far better. And I, I just think that that's a big problem. Um, and from what I see with medical students, uh, I think when you become a doctor as a resident, you're like, okay, now I can live in a nicer place. I can drive a nicer car because you're in debt and it doesn't matter. And lots of financial institutions, you know, every week I get mail, you know, to take out more loans or to take out more credit card debt. You know, people really do prey on you a little bit as far as the marketing goes and getting mailings about all this free money around. So the temptations are very great to overspend and get deeper in debt for some luxury items such as, you know, building a deck in the back of your house or, you know, getting a little bit nicer car or something. But you, I feel like it's very important to um, keep that to a minimum and kind of realize that it's all borrowed money, you know, until you're living on your own money and paying cash for things. Um, you're really not in secure financial waters. That was Dr. Ann Wytalik, a practicing pediatrician from Indianapolis, Indiana, and married mother of eight, soon to be 10 children. Thanks so much to each of our three guests for taking time out of their busy schedules to join us on Radio Rounds today. Next week, tune in for the next installment in our series with Pulse, Voices from the Heart of Medicine, as Radio Round's executive producer Yojin Patel narrates Broken by Dr. Jordan Grumet, a sobering account of the first time he saw a physician broken by the very profession we love and work so hard to perfect. In the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at RadioRounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage, providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at MedPlusAdvantage.com.
AMA Insurance is pleased to introduce an individual disability insurance plan called Essentials for MedPlus Advantage participants. Through this plan, eligible graduating medical students have a special one-time opportunity to apply for high-quality individual disability insurance with no intrusive or time-consuming medical exams and only a few basic questions, and with discounted premiums. Apply now as the enrollment period ends soon. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school or residency programs. Ask questions in our online forums and get answers quickly. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds or of the Wright State University Boonshaw School of Medicine. Thanks so much for joining us for our Season 9 premiere, everyone. It's great to be back with you, and we hope you have a fantastic week. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm John Corker, and one day, I'll be your doctor.